Today's daf is daf nun hey page fifty five in the Hilgim Masechus Bava Kama. We're going to be zeichet to finish the Hilgim fifth parak, and we're going to start parak hakoynis. Ah, back to sixth grade. All right. Sixth grade. All right. Here we go. Two lines from the bottom. Read the two dots. Show Rebbe Chinina Ben Ogil Omar Rebbe Yichio Bar Abba. Ready for a Hilgim Agada to Gemara. Right. Says Rechida ben Agil, who asked a shayla from Rav Chiyah Barabba, Bnei Mabba, Dibbet, Shoshon, Yisrael, Nebra, Bem, Toiv. Why is it that in the first Luchais, it does not use the word Toiv, Uber Dibbet, Achreines, but in the second set of Luchais, Nemar, Bahem, Toiv, it says the word Toiv. It says the word good. Now you might ask, what do you mean it doesn't say the word good? Of course it says the word good. So Gemara explains, oh, I'm sorry, Rashi explains, top Rashi, Nebra, Bem, Toiv, Gabi, Kibur, Aveim. See, by the second set of luchas, it uses the word yitav lach that it will be good for you. By the first set of luchas, it does not say leman yitav lach. It does not promise that reward in the first uh, first aseres adibris. Doesn't say that. Just says kavodis v'vicha basimacha. Doesn't say leman yitav lach. Why? What changed? Listen to this. Incredible. Omar Lois, Rav Chiyo Baraba said back to him, Before you even asked why it says, You should know, I would ask, does it say good at all? Because you want to know, why does it say good only in the second tablet? He says, one, 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 one second. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't say Taiv anywhere. Why? I don't know. And therefore, Rabbi Tanchum ben Chaniloi. Go to Rabbi Tanchum ben Chaniloi. Shei Rugal Itzur Bishul ben Levi. Shei Abaki Bagada. He was the most. Uh, he, he had bikias. He had expertise and and broad knowledge in Agadita. Huh? Rabbi Shul ben Levi. That was his expertise. That was expertise. Didn't say it. You don't need to be. Well, he says, ask him your question. Ask him your question. I think there's an important message here. You could be great. But there's greatness in different areas. But it's a fairish apostle. Huh? It was a fairish apostle. There's no question whether it says it in the apostle. Yeah, or it doesn't say it. it doesn't. Okay. Let's see. Even if that the question, uh, I hear what you're asking. You're saying does it say it in the Torah or not? Right. Then you can ask uh, okay. why does it do? Why does it? But it either okay. says it or it doesn't say it. Okay. Also, legabe. Let's see. So he went to him, Amar Lei, and he said, "Me many shamati. I didn't hear from a bishul ben Levi. Elakach Amar Lishmul Bar Nachum Achi Imai Sharav Acha Reb Chanina." But this is what I heard from Shmuel Bar Nochum, who was the uncle of Rav Acha Bar Chanina. Some say he was not the uncle, but the grandfather. That it does say the word Yitavlach by Kibur Aveim in the second Luchais. It does not say it in the first. It does not say in the first. Why? Because the first Luchais were going to break, and therefore we're not going to write the word Taiv Yitav in. In uh, tablets that are going to break. Now, other times it does say, like the beginning of Barashas, right? As we're going to see soon, the word tes refers to tov. It says, Hashem looked at the light and it was good. Fourth pasuk of the Torah, right? Hashem, Hashem saw the light was good. Wait a minute, Hashem's so, is in the first set of Ruchos. Yeah, yeah. No, so it certainly says the word tov in the Torah. But the question is that Kabir Tzibicha Vasimach is on the Luchais. Yeah. Okay, so, so what was so written on the Luchas? Huh? So is the, so is the name of Hashem on the Luchas, and yet we're breaking the Luchas? Very good. Okay, Steve's making a point. God's name was on it, and we broke that. Good. Hold on. I think there's there's a good message in this. So, 
the first luchas was broken. So it doesn't say taif. The second luchas is around. It says taif. says, who cares if the first set of luchas were going to break? What would it change if it says taif? Amar Ravashi, listen to this. Ravashi says, Chas v'sholem poska taiva mi Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not allow taiva to be lost from Klai Yisrael. Listen to this. The second set of luchas are still around, Chavr. They still exist. They're inside the Aaron. The Aaron is hidden. When we get the Aaron back, we're going to see the luchas. Says the Gemara. The first luchas broke. And therefore the Rebbein Shalom did not write Leman Yitavlach on the luchas. You're going to ask, I did it or did it not? The answer is, we don't have it to look at. We don't have it. The first luchas broke. The second luchas are hidden. You want to know why? Says yet Taka. Taka, the first one, it didn't say the second one, it did. Because the Rebbein never stops Taiv, which means Ad Hayoim Azeh until today, Taiv exists. It may be hidden, it certainly is hidden, but Taiv doesn't stop. And since the first ones are broken, we're not going to write the word Taiv on the first set of luchas. The Rebbein does not allow that to happen. Amr Bishua, Haraya Tes Bechalayma. If you see the letter Tes in a dream, Simon Yafalai. It's a good sign. My time, a why? Because the word tes is for taif, which makes sense. One second. There's other teses that aren't good. Ema v'titesia b'matata hashmid. A matata is, those still used in Eretz Yisrael, it's a, it's a broom. Right? The, this, uh, I'm going to sweep away uh, destruction. So the Gemara says, okay, so tata is to sweep away, which is not necessarily a good sign, but that's with two tests. Two tests. Or tesin. Um, one test is a good sign, but two maybe is not a good sign. Ema Tomasa Bishula says the Gemara, well, test means taiv, but maybe it also means tummy. Test bays karminan. Oh, you know what it means? It means somebody, if you see a test bays, so that's like the main of the word tov. So that's a good sign. But you're right. If you just see the letter test is not necessarily a good sign. Says the Gemara, why? Ema tavu sharel. Right? Tavu sharel is a test and a vase, and that refers to drowning. Its gates have drowned. Says the Gemara, you're right. You know why test, though, is a good sign? Because the very first time you ever find the letter test in the Torah, not on the Luchas, you will not find the letter test in the first few psukim in the Torah until the word Tov, until the word good, me bracious advayara likim esar, kitayv, like siftes. So you look at the first time a letter is used, that's what defines it. So the letter tes means tayv. Ah, you can find a test that means tata, a test of tivu, of drowning. Doesn't matter. The essence of a test is tayv. So we're back to square one, which is if a person sees the letter tes in a dream, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. If somebody sees Hespid, now Rashi explains, not that you see a eulogy, you see the word Hespid. You, you envision the word, Hey, Fei, Samach Dalit, Pei Dalit, I'm sorry, Hey, Samach, Pei Dalit, Chosul Lav Nashmai Mufadu. It's a sign that the heavens have been merciful on you. And that's referring to the writing of the word Hespid. But if you see a hespit taking place about a person, not necessarily a good sign. Okay? It could be a sign of things to be coming. Okay. Period. Okay. 
Our Mishnah says that you're not allowed to work various types of animals together. It's a problem of klayim. And the same thing holds true by chayas, by non-domesticated animals, as well as birds. Okay, so can you imagine having a bird plow with an ox? Right? However, a strong eagle, right? Here we go. A chicken, a peacock, and a pasyuni. Rashi says it's a type of slov, which is called firdin. They all are klayim to each other. Okay? Which means, even though they're all birds, you have to be careful between mating different types of birds. Says more Pshita. Why would I think that they're, it's not a problem? Rabbi Chaviva says, Because these animals are all ravu, they all live together. I would say they're all one species and therefore it's not a Klayim issue. Animals that know how to live amongst each other, I would say maybe you couldn't mate them together. Kamashmulan, therefore Ishlaka says no. There are three different uh, types of birds and it's it's Klayim to mate them. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Avas va'avas abar you should know. Even in the goose family, a wild goose and a house goose are kalayim. They're not allowed to mate. You're not allowed to mate them with each other. Maskele Rabbi Rabbi in my time away, if it's because one has a longer beak and one has a shorter beak, let's say you have a, a camel from Persia and a camel from the Arabian desert, I guess, peninsula. They have different level, uh, they have different size necks. Just because they have a different body structure means that they're a different thing? Of course not. You're going to agree that they're all different. They're all camels, and it's not climb to mate them. So just because there's a difference in type of bear, in type of camel, in type of bird, goose, shouldn't make it an issue. So why, Taka, can't a house goose and a wild goose uh, mate together? Alam Rabbi, rather Rabbi explains... It's reproductive organs. The the beitzim, the uh, the testicles of one are outside the body, and the other one is inside the body, and that apparently makes it a whole different species. The way that the reprodu- the reproductive organs are showed on the body. Rav Papa, Rav Papa says. The difference is how many eggs they lay uh, at one time. One, uh, a wild one does one at a time, and a house one does um, does many at one time. And that, for whatever reason, is uh, suffices to make it a whole different species, and it's going to be Klayim to mate the two. Amr of Yirmi, says in the name of if somebody um, is marbia, you mate together two types of species of the ocean, it's going to be considered klayim. Okay, this means um, anything that lives in the water. The same way there's a problem mating uh, um, uh, whatever a sheep with uh, with uh, an ox, right? There's also a problem of uh, animal species, uh, fish species, or a uh, marine, marine life. 
It doesn't need to be specifically to fish, but anything in marine life, there's also a problem when it comes to mating. My time, oh, why is this true? Yeah, go ahead. Did you just teach that one cannot uh, uh, breed or interbreed uh, tropical fish? Not maybe if it's the same family, it might be allowed. But just because things are in the ocean doesn't mean that there's no mating problem, as far as Clyam is concerned. My time, why? How do you know this? What's the source? It says the word lemineu in Bereshis, right? That um, um, when it comes to animals or uh, creations of the sea, and also when it comes to creations of the land, and therefore it says, it says lemina by both of them. So you see that the Xer uh, is going to connect the two halachas. Okay. Can I, can I ask a question? Yes. Go ahead. I understand the Isser of Kloyim by animals. Okay. Because you can take an animal and take out the Zara and take the, insert it and do whatever you need to do mm-hmm. to create Kloyim. I don't understand before science got to this level. Yeah. How can you force a dog to mate with a cow or or take two fish? Why is it forcing? Um, whether the issue is on you to do it, right? I can't cause. Right. You don't need to force them. Of, you you can't even put them near each other in a way that's going to inspire them to mate. He's he's. I hear what you're saying. He's going a step further. He he can't understand how it even happens. Why no, I, that I my animals would do it. No, that, that, but I'm saying if I have, if I have like a whole field, you know, acreage, and I have horses there and I have cows there and everything else, I, I need to keep them all separate. I mean, I'm not encouraging no, them. Right. To, there's no. There's uh, no. Uh, uh, there's no yichud on, on these animals so not, But I, you could mate various animals You, you play a role in them mating together right. Yeah well, you can put them in I don't know animal, animal mating uh, we, have to, we could ask somebody It is I mean, interesting fish, It is interesting fish You put them in the same pen yeah. Right, right. Have right. them start so living together Have them start living together Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright here we go Rachava Ask the question searching for information Alright we're now about uh, six lines before the end of the parak. Wow. You have your wagon pulled by a goat and a big fish. How are you going to do that? Very simple, says Rashi. Along the seashore. There you go. You're walking on a bridge in the middle of the water, and you have a dolphin that you trained um, to, uh, to pull things. You have an animal that you train. So you put an ox on dry land, on the beach. You have your dolphin in the water. Hitch them up to a wagon. And, and, and go ahead. You just answered a question that's been bothering me for years. Okay. This Gemara right here. Let's see. That these cases don't even have to be possible in reality. Yeah. are here to teach us a concept. Of course. Okay. Of course. Many cases of halacha in Gemara are... are not it's, even it, it's actually expressions of... I think it's called a halacha yevesha, okay. a dry halacha, which means there are certain times the Gemara will bring down circumstances that don't necessarily need to happen, but it creates an understanding of the overall halacha. So like this case. Yeah. Okay. Very possible. Right. Right? It's, it's, it's not necessarily, will it ever happen? It doesn't matter because halacha is not 
nothing in halacha is it's singular. About the case. It's, about the it's not no. singular. It's not limited to the case that you're bringing down. Now you know how to apply it to other places. Okay. Very often, Gemaras will bring situations like that. So, a person who pulls a wagon with a goat and this fish. Now, what's the halacha? Do we say since a goat cannot uh, swim in the uh, live in the ocean and this fish cannot live on dry land like Klomavad? You haven't done anything. I don't or perhaps hashta mias kamanik. The bottom line is that um, there's a problem of uh, there's a problem of shot uh, of claim. It's a problem of, because the mice of the two species are working together. Okay, says the Gemara. One second. Maskla Ravina Ravina has a challenging question on this question. El but now If somebody has a handful of wheat and barley grain. And you walk over to the border of Eretz Yisrael. And you put the wheat on the border of Eretz Yisrael and the, bar, and the barley right outside of Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Uh, are you going to tell me that you're responsible for climb because they're right next to each other? Or do we say that the bottom line is it's two completely separate lands? The holiness of Eretz Yisrael is completely different than the holiness of Chosla Eretz. So it's considered two different lands. One's on one side of the border, one's on the other side. Who cares that if it's within... A few tfachim of each other. Amri, they said, don't ask a question from there. Hasam, by the case where you're putting the wheat right inside Eretz Yisrael and the barley right outside Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Makayim Chiyuva. Eretz Yisrael has the big issue of klayim and planting. Chust Eretz Loi Makayim Chiyuva. Outside Eretz Yisrael, you, it's not part of the uh, it's not part of the chiyuv. The Gemara here is assuming that the iser of klayim of of uh, planting different seeds is only an iser within Eretz Yisrael. Outside Eretz Yisrael, the Gemara is assuming it uh, with this halacha that you could plant wheat and barley together. There's no issue at all. Okay, hacha. So over here, by the uh, so so you could make a discrepancy. You could say, listen, on one hand, the 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 barley is placed right outside Eretz Yisrael. It's not even an issue. But over here, both the fish inside the water has a client problem. And the fish on the dry land has a client problem. So maybe we talk about Shaila, now we have a client problem. Oh. And therefore, um, and therefore, Rechava has to ask, ask a good question. And we don't have an answer. So Rechava asks a question again. What about fish in the water and animals on dry land? What is the halacha? We, the, the Gemara leaves off as a Shaila. Hadron Allah, Shar Shanagah Sapara. Hadron Allah, Shar Shanagah Sapara. Hadron Allah, Shar Shanagah Sapara. Mouths of the very fish finished the Heligah. Fifth Perak of Baba Kama. And now we begin the well known one and only Perak Hakoines, which I learned for the first time, Baruch Hashem, when I was in sixth grade. So let's translate it like my sixth grade Rebbe. I'll see if I learned anything since then. Right? Here we go. Nunhei Amud Beis, 55b, says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, and this parak is going to be all about responsibilities to watch your property. Okay? Let us give a quick overview. Quick overview of what the dynamics of the parak are. Dynamics of the parak apply day to day in our lives, which is, there's always a risk of me damaging somebody else. There's always a risk of me being damaged by you. At what point do your responsibilities to not damage me start? Okay? 
When does your responsibility start? This applies to illnesses. If I'm not feeling well, but good enough to come to shul, what's my responsibility to stay away from people? How, what type of sickness am I feeling? What, how am I feeling over there? You can't be a barbershop around me. You can't make yourself a pit in the public domain and bring damage over other people. Okay. At what point do, however, do other people who come to show realize that somebody else, you know, not everybody is always feeling in tip-top shape. Not necessarily so. So at what point does, does uh, my responsibility start for them? So that, that, that's where we have to come into play. Now, what we're going to see is, what the, the, what, let's start with the basis lines. The basis lines are as follows. If I do something that is within societal norms, I'm not responsible. Okay? If people come to shul like that, let's move away from illness. My property damages, and it's within expected norms, I'm not going to be responsible because I do what everybody else does, and that's just a risk that people take. It's a risk people take by walking into a public domain. There might be a rock. So where am I chayev? Where am I potter? This parak is going to help us clarify a lot of this. So here we go. Hakainis sign the deer. If somebody brings their sheep into a corral, and locks the corral fittingly. Okay. Which means, have I done my due diligence? Yes. The yatsa hezeka, but my my tzon, my sheep goes out and damages anyway. Potter, I'm not responsible. You might ask, how did it get out then? We'll find out. Or you can use your imagination. A hurricane, I don't know. I locked it normally. Somehow it got out. We'll see how. I'm Potter. I did what I have to do. But what do you mean? Your property damaged me? I know, but... <laughs> I do what I have to do. I'm done. Loin all If I did not lock it properly, the yachts of and my sheep gets out from the corral. Chayev, I'm obligated to pay because I didn't do what's expected. Nifritz If something happened during the nighttime when owners are not fully aware of what's taking place, so for example, in the middle of the night. Something came and knocked down a, a part of the fence of my corral. And that's what allowed my animals to get out and they damaged. Aisha Partua listim, or bandits broke down the fence. And then my animals got out and damaged. Putter. I'm putter. You know why? I'm an Inus. I'm an Inus. It's a complete accident. I do what I have to do and, and things happen. Haitziua um, listim. If the bandits took the animals and, my, and the animals damaged after the bandits took them, listim chayavim. The listim are going to be responsible. You know why? It's fascinating. Something called the Kinyan Gazela. They acquire all responsibilities when they take my animal with it. It's considered theirs. Meaning it was under their control. That's right. And they're the ones responsible to make sure that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't damage. Now, in the first case... We said bandits broke down the wall. If bandits break the wall, they're not responsible for the animal that goes out and damages because they're only a grumma. They only cause the animal to damage. We can't obligate them financially for anything other than the fence. Okay, they have to pay for the fence. They broke that down. But if, if bandits break down the fence, the animals themselves go out and damage, 
you can't charge the bandits. If the bandits steal the animals and make a kidney on them, then we can make them responsible. Okay, what about the following case? I locked it up normally, but, but, it was a scorching day. And I'm leaving my animal out in the sun. Hot and dry. Or Masra, I gave it over to Chersha the Cotton. Both these cases, I am negligent. You know it's a hot day. Why are you leaving your animal locked up, Azoy? The Yatsa Vazek, Achayev. I put a normal thing around my fence. Well, guess what? It wasn't a normal situation, so you got to be more careful then. Masra Leraya, if you give it over to a shepherd, okay, so that guy's responsible and the shepherd becomes responsible. Nichnas Leraya Tachtev. Nafla Legina Venenis. New case. What happens if my animal falls into somebody else's domain, whether my domain was elevated above it, or somehow it fell from, uh, let's say, Rosh Hashanah down into somebody's property and ruins their garden. Ruins their garden, squishes, makes the tomatoes catch up. Okay? Mishalemis Mashanemis. So any sort of benefit that my animal had, I need to pay for. But I don't pay for the full price of the produce. What, Why? What do you mean benefit? Whatever benefit it had. If he fell, how did huh? Oh, well, either, well either, either it got cushioned or the animal after falling started eating tomatoes. So the halacha is I don't need to pay for the actual tomatoes like we learned earlier in the Masechta. I need to pay for the price of uh, however much I saved off of not feeding my, my animal lunch. Even if it's that's cheaper of, than tomatoes. Okay? Now the reason for this is, the owner, nobody was negligent. My animal by mistake slipped and fell into your property. Caused you, uh, benefited from your tomatoes being there. So I got to pay for, I got to pay for the benefit. Yarda Kedarka Vezeka, however, if my animal like simply walked down into your field and started eating and damaging, Meshalamas Mashazeka, you got to pay the full amount. You know why? Because the owner of the cow was negligent. The owner of this animal that went is negligent. How'd you let your animal just simply walk right into my field and take my stuff? That's not called watching it. And therefore, the same way you're, you're responsible if you don't lock your pen, your corral, you're responsible if your animal just simply walks into my property and, and, uh, and eats my tomatoes. You're not paying just for the benefit. You're going to pay for the tomatoes. Okay? If it wasn't Inus, fine. Then you just pay for the benefit. How do you pay for direct damages? You look at the area of land called a Beisah in that field. And you say, how much was it worth before? How much is it worth now? And you pay the difference. That's how you pay for damaging. Now, this is strange because we learned before this is how you would pay for benefit. Because you know, over here, if you're going to look at a whole field and say, well, you said, how, how do you pay for damages when your animal goes and eats the tomatoes? We'll say, well, don't look at the tomatoes. Look at the whole field. So if this whole field was worth $50,000 before and now it's worth 49980 even though the tomatoes would have sold for 100 bucks. You're only going to pay twenty, because that's the whole difference in the field lacking the the, the bit of tomatoes. That's called hezekah damage. But Reb Shimon, I met Reb Shimon says no. Achla peres gemurim, peres gemurim. If it eats ripe fruit that could be sold, 
and is available, that's what you pay for. That's damage. No matter how much, uh, no matter how much it is. Okay, so he says like this. If the tomatoes that the animal ate weren't ripe, so that you, can't, you view them as part of the field still, then I agree with you, says Rav Shimon. However, once they're ripe and they have their own, uh, they have their own uh, price and their own identity, then you're going to pay for uh, you'll you'll uh, you'll pay for the tomatoes themselves. Okay, here we go. Turn around, one of the rabbis learn What's considered that the animal? I'm sorry. What's considered an animal being locked up properly and not being locked up properly? I'll tell you. If you have the door of the corral or the entire fence. That's able to withstand the Ruach Mitsuya, a found normal wind. This is an expression of normal. Normal. This is an expression of normal. Whatever is expected. So then, Zelkaroi, that's, that's enough. If it cannot withstand the norms, you didn't do it properly. Remember, we had the interesting opinion of Rabbi Yehuda earlier in the Masechta who says that a Muad. You do less of a watching than a tam. He based it off of If you have an owner that ties up an ox with a leash, the null of fun of karoi, or he locks the gate, the yotzevahizik, and the ox still gets out in damages. No matter what, you're going to be chayav. This is the opinion of Rebbe Meir. If you tie it up or close the gate, no matter what, if your property damages, you are responsible. Now, why would that be so? Obviously, Rav Meir holds that doing what's normal does not suffice. Rav Meir must hold you have to go above and beyond the norm to expect the abnormal. That's Rav Meir's approach. Getting, doing what's normal ain't going to be ain't, ain't going to be enough. No, that's not what he's saying. That's what Rav Meir's saying. No. What's Rav Meir saying? He's saying you have to do a job that he, the animal doesn't escape. He, he has to do a job that makes you, that, that that is sufficiently good. How good? To, so that the animal doesn't escape. Let me go back. Let me, let's, let's talk. Let's talk. Rav Meir says, if you have an ox and you tie it up with a leash to a tree, or you lock the fence normally around it, and the ox still goes out and damages... Says Rav Meir, you're chayev. Right. I said because he knew, he holds you need to go do better than what you than what's normal, and you're saying no. no Rav Meir saying, well, I'm phrasing it differently. Okay, go ahead. I'm saying that you have to do whatever it takes so that the animal doesn't escape. Okay, nafkamina between the way. I'm I'm presenting it, and you're presenting it would be, if let's say he does a very good shmira, you would still say Rav Meir holds chayav because it's your property that damaged whatever whatever it takes. Whatever okay, it takes. fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so we have, we have two different approaches of what Rav Meir could mean. I agree. I agree that when Rav Meir says this, I don't have a raya. It's probably because I learned the daf that I'm foreshadowing what he says. But I'm, I, I'll agree to your point. I'll agree to your point that Rav Meir over here by saying you're chayav, even by a regular shmira, what Yale's pointing out rightfully at this step of the Gemara could be, I hear, I hear, could be not that you need a shmira ma'ula, he's not holding you need a better shmira, Rav Meir is just saying, 
Your property damages, you pay. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Maybe. Let's see. Rabbi Yehudaimer, but Rabbi Yehuda says, Tam, if the axe that broke out is a Tam, so then I'm going to be Chayev. Why? Because it's not, let's assume, it's not enough of a watching. Muad Potter. But if it's a Muad, you're off the hook. Because you did a normal watching. The bottom line is you guarded it. That's Rabbi Yehuda's Mechudosh Dik idea that we already explained earlier in the Masechta. Rabbi Lezer Aymer, remember this Mishnah, Ein Shmir al the only way that you're off the hook if your animal damages is to kill it. If your property damages, and this is what I, this is probably closer to you, right? If your property damages, you're chayev. You don't want to be responsible if your property damaging, don't have property. Says the Gemara, you should know. Now the Gemara wants to say, this means if Rav Meir is going to tell us that if you do a normal watching, you're still responsible on your animal. That means Rav Meir doesn't fit with our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah said, if you lock it properly, you're butter. Says the Gemara, Afilu Tamer of Meir, that our Mishnah could even be Rebbe Meir. Shiny Shem Varegel, But Shem Varegel is going to be different because the Torah limits how much watching needs to be done. Maybe there's a difference between Karen damage, and that's where Rav Meir is going to be Machmir. And Shane and Regal damage where we could be lenient. Now, what does that mean? So the Gemara is going to explain for us. The Amar Rebbe Elazar. Because Rebbe Elazar says, the Amri law, and some say, some say that um, it wasn't necessarily Rebbe Elazar, it was Tanakam of our Mishnah. There's four times where the Torah limits the Shmira. What does it mean, limits the Shmira? Make, uh, says you're off the hook if you did a normal watching. You don't need to do better than normal. And these are the times. Bar, by a pit. Ve'esh, fire damage. Shane, shane damage, benefit. Virego, and going about your normal business. Bar, how do I know this is true by bar? That if I do a regular shmira, I'm okay. If you dig a pit and you don't cover it properly, this seems to imply hucky so potter. If you did cover it, you're cool. Now, do you have to totally fill it up? No. Now, that would be the best way to remove the damage, is get rid of the pit. The fact that we say covering is going to suffice, that means you just need average. You just need average. Aish, how do you know by fire all you need is a standard uh, protection? The one who lit the fire is going to be obligated to pay. Which means you have to be like the one who lit the fire. Mamish, like this whole responsibility is on you. But if you don't, uh, if, if you weren't negligent, you, then you weren't like the one who lit the fire. You're okay. Shane, how do I know Shane is okay with normal damage? It says, It went and damaged somebody, it went and damaged in somebody else's field. Now, remember, we learned earlier that the Pasuk begins by saying, that the owner actively sent out his axe to damage. That's where you're responsible. But if I didn't send it, which means I watched it normally, I'm going to be okay. Okay. And regal dechse v'shilach adove ke'in v'shilach. Beautiful. Vitania. And we also learned in Ebraisa. V'shilach zeha regal v'chinoi remshachi regal shavach hamar. Ubiyar zeha shein v'chinoi remshachi regal shavach So in all these cases, you see that, that in these four uh, circumstances, you did a normal shmira, you're okay. But if you do on a different one, if you do on a different one, 
let's say by Karen. So then uh, you need a better shmir. You need a better shmir. Says the Gemara. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Time of the The reason why when are you going to be chayav on shame regal? When you mamish are like one who sends forth the damage. But if I didn't mamish send forth the damage, I wasn't. Which means I wasn't like negligent. I'm not going to be responsible. Okay. Says the Gemara. Bottom line. Why are we bringing this down? We thought Rav Meir does not work with our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, he might work well with our Mishnah. I'll tell you why. Where does Rameyer hold you need a Shmira Ma'ula? Our Mishnah says you need standard Shmira. We said, oh, Rameyer holds you need a Shmira Ma'ula. Excellent Shmira. Says the Gemara, true, but he only holds that by Karen. He agrees with by Shane and Rego. You just need standard. And our Mishnah could be dealing with Shane Barego. So he would, de- he, he would work with our Mishnah and be dealing with Shane Barego. Okay. Says the Gemara, Amar Rabba, Rabba says like this. You should know. Let's pause. How do we just explain this? Rav Meir could be with our Mishnah as long as we're dealing with Shane and Reg, right? Because standard. He cannot be with our Mishnah if we're dealing with Karen. So, Amar Rabbah, Mastis and you could imply for our Mishnah we're only dealing with Shane and Reg. You know why? The Tani Tsoin. We said, Hakainis Tsoin Ladir. Somebody brings his sheep into a corral. So, Michti, let's see. Bishar Askinan Vaasi. We've, until now, been dealing primarily with ox damage. So why didn't we say hakainis shor ledira? Why didn't we say somebody who brings an ox into the dira? Why do we, why, why do we switch over to sheep? Let's keep talking about the shor. Let's keep talking about the... Um, uh, let's keep talking about the uh, the axe. Why are you switching over? Nesni shor. Maishal etonit zayin. Lav mishum the teramiyata b'shmirasan. Lav mishum the kalkaren like sivu b'shem regal who dechsev be beautiful. Says Gemara. I'll tell you. You know why we're switching over to sheep? Because sheep don't gore. And that's a raya. We're not dealing with karen damage. Because if we deal with karen damage, just keep talking about your axe, man. What happened? New perik. Come on. Why are you switching to sheep? Because we, sheep have no Karen. I remember when I was a kid, there's a, there's a Jewish choir called Miami Boys Choir. I don't think it's big anymore. Maybe, I don't know, I don't want to say anything. I haven't heard of them for a little bit. When I was a kid, they used to put on big concerts. Miami Experience. And when I, those were the videos my parents let me watch. You know? Miami Boys Choir said, they used to try to always change it up a bit. So that, that didn't get stale. Every year they had a different thing. So, so they tried one year, instead of it being a concert, they turned it into a play. Turned it into a play. And I remember one of the things in a play, I don't remember which man experience it was, but one of the kids in the concert is, so it was a play and kind of like a uh, musical, or, right? Where every few minutes they would all crank out their song, this Jewish song that they created. So I, one of the kids dresses up like a rub and he's got his big beard. And some, uh, I, I almost don't remember anything else in the story, but another, uh, they're coming to, say, Yosu the butcher has a question for the Rav. I remember that. Yosu the butcher, and the kid sits there with his fake beard, you know, and he want to know uh, if a cow with no horns is kosher. That's Yosu the butcher's shayla. So the Rav sits there, and he, they start singing a song. I don't remember the song, but the song ends like this. The cow's not kosher. I don't know how the niggin went for that. The cow's not kosher, but it went like this. Your cow has no horns because it's a horse. Because it's a horse. Something like that. Okay. 
I don't know. The butcher thought it was a cow. It wasn't a cow. Turned out it was a horse. Horses don't gore. Sheep don't gore. If you're dealing with a sheep, it's not Karen. Right? There's no Karen in the Mishnah because it's a sheep. All right. Fine. Enough of my spiel. You know from here that we're dealing with Shane and Regal. And this is the message to learn from it. Okay, two dots, four lines to the bottom. Let's go on to tomorrow's daf. There's other two dots uh, uh, towards the top. So let's go one uh, one more short kabara. Time to learn the price. Four situations. If you if you enter one of these scenarios, you Bezdin will not obligate you to pay. However, you still should pay if you want to clean your slate and your bank account up in heaven. Hakadosh Baruch Hu will. Draw rest, uh, uh, retribution, not retribution. Um, payment, right? He'll draw payment from you at some point, someplace. Incredible. Your friend locks up his animal, and you know what you do? Knock down his fence. So now his animal goes out and damages. You cause the damage, but we can't directly obligate you. Why can't we? Because I, I, I just caused the damage. I, I, by me knocking down the fence, your animal got out and damaged. Right. But you can't tell me my animal damaged. I caused your animal to be able to get out and damage. But I'm, I'm part of the other. You still have to pay for the fence. Yeah, I got to pay for the fence. I don't need to pay for the damage that your animal does. You don't have. No. Part you should pay the guy back. Even though you're responsible for... Knocking down the fence. Knocking down the fence. The yeah. animal running loose. That's right. This, this works with credit. We're not recording on it. Yeah, we are. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> this Very good. V'hakoifif. V'hakoifif. Or you have somebody lights a fire, and you come over, and you kind of allow the fire to go over to his haystack. Okay? You divert it towards the haystack. A person who hires false witnesses to testify. Okay, you're part of the other because they, they shouldn't have testified. It's really their achrayas for doing that. But if you hired them to testify, you kind of caused this to happen. Also, if you know testimony about somebody that can help them financially or in any sort of way, and you withhold that information, not going to be chayav edine adam, but the Rabbani Shalom, you're responsible for, for things not coming out, playing out properly. Amar the Tana taught us, What's the case where you knock down the wall? You knock down a healthy wall. You should be obligated even Now obviously, the Mepharshim explained we're dealing with the wall itself. When we said you're not obligated, we, th- we expect this to mean both for the wall and for damage that it did. So Mepharshim says, no. Ella, rather you know what the case is, Tapa tomorrow's daf, we're dealing with a wall that's going to fall down. Uh, it's going to fall down anyway. So when you knock down the wall, you didn't really cause any uh, any damage. So uh, uh, you know you're, you're just a grama. Amar Mar, the Tana taught us. You move. You you allow the fight. You bend over the stalks near the flames. That you you bent over the grains of burnt in the fire like it would happen normally. So you should be You practically speaking, there's a fire coming at your friend's stalks, and you bend your stalks into the fire. You directly damaged his grain. Why are you not in this world? What happened was, you bent it over, and it was that caused it to get damaged. For Ravashi Yomar, uh, an abnormal wind that caused it. For Ravashi Yomar, he says, 
He says we're dealing with something that was covered. We know that fire damage is not responsible for things that are covered. So what you did is, um, you somebody lit a fire going near your friend's grain. You know what you did? You covered it with a tarp. By you covering it with a tarp, made it that the owner well, of the grain is not going to be paid. The owner of the grain, because you covered over his grain, now can't demand payment. So you court. caused the victim a financial loss. So you're part of the you're called you're called a grumma for causing that damage.